Welcome to the Car Doctor Show. Ron is, well, up at the North Pole, helping Santa. So we've prepared a best of. This is the best of the Car Doctor. Ron and Anian. The final frontier. These are the voyages of... The Car Doctor. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ron and Anian. Thinking out loud, what is the value of auto repair? And I'm just concerned about it because I wonder, how do you measure it? Fascinating, but quite impossible. The car doctor. How do I trust the three plugs that are in the back? I've got to take those out. To take those out, I've got to take the intake plenum off. If I'm taking the intake plenum off, I'm changing the plugs because I don't know how old they are. But four of the six plugs ended up being loose. What he says is logical, and I do, in fact, agree with it. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. My name is Ron Ananian. I'm a doctor. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. That number again, 855-560-9900. Living large, taking charge here, ready to fix your automobile. It's 24-7 Car Doctor hotline, 855-560-9900. Keep in mind that that number is 24-7. You can call it any time, day or night. Leave a message. And our executive producer, Motorhead Matt, who is among the absent today, I've noticed. Um, but I think Matty had some uh, family emergency or something come up. And uh, t- you get to talk to Tom Ray, the one and only no baloney, uh, not a phony Tom Ray. He will be with you to uh, talk about radio and all that it's about and maybe put you on air and let you talk here about cars and let me solve whatever it is you got going on. And um, Tom likes to give me some toughies, so we'll see what he does for us today. But um, that is the deal, 855-560-9900. Podcasting and all the other information about this radio show, we're streamlining everything effective today. Or let me put it to you this way. That's what we're trying to do today. Just go to cardoctorshow.com. It's all there, and if it's not there yet, it'll be there shortly. And uh, you can click on the podcast link and get to everything you want to get to as uh, we continue the march forward and try to streamline and uh, make podcasting easier for each and every one of you. You know, that's what it's about here, making it easy. We, we try to make it easy. We try to make it logical. We try to make it so that you understand what's going on about your car. I've always talked to you as we've sat down these many years and many hours about how important it is for mechanics to be good. You know, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. There's a lot there. There's a lot that that means. And, you know, that also puts the mantra on the mechanic, too. I expect brother mechanics to, you know, do what they're supposed to do and take care of the car and do it right. And a lot of us do. A lot of us really try. And, yeah, there's some jerks in the industry, like there's jerks in every industry. What industry doesn't? You know, that's, um, you know, what industry doesn't have somebody that's a couple of bad apples and so on? But I've been wondering lately, how good of a customer are you? You know, are, are you what I've come to refer to as a moaner and a groaner? You know, you come in. Real scenario. I mean, this happens. I've been watching the counter lately, 
and I've been paying very careful attention to how people react. It's, it's really interesting. You know, you can you can learn a lot from people and their body language, and it's it's just an interesting phenomenon. You know, we're here in New Jersey, and uh, this morning I had to go to the ATM. So I, I walked into the ATM of the bank. You know, it was inside the bank's uh, lobby there, and I did my deposit and whatnot, and I'm doing my, you know, I'm, I'm taking some money out, just doing my ATM thing. And a woman walks in, and she's standing over to my left, and there's that awkward pause of, you know, you're just two people alone, like the two people in the elevator thing. It's just, it's just weird energy. You know, you're just... So I finished doing my thing, and I turned to her, and I said, good morning, and I said... Isn't it a lovely morning? And I said, can you just feel sorry for Florida? As nice as the weather is here, you know Florida's going to get the heck beat out of it with the hurricane approaching. Dead silence. Just just, just looked at me like, like I, you know, just said something inappropriate or just the fact that I said anything just completely rattled her cage. You masher. Yeah, that's me. And, you know, you're just, we're not allowed to talk to each other. We're human beings. And how we treat each other as human beings is really a mark. It's important. It's something to observe. It's 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 that moment, all right, that we can all taste and we can all feel when it happens. So I've been watching people at the shop. I've been watching how they react and and what they react to. Gentleman came in this week, first timer, with a 1993 Mazda Miata. Now, think about that a minute. Not only is it a 25-year-old car, but it's also, I won't say rare, but not that common. You know, back in its day, there were a lot of them. You still saw them around. But the, the mark of endurance of a vehicle, when was the last time you saw a, a, a Miata convertible floating around? And, uh, you know, just not a lot of them left. And it's obvious to me that there's not a lot of them left because every time I work on a Miata, Getting parts for them is is more than just a little bit difficult. And I told him, I explained to him, I said, you know, it's it, it needed brakes. And I said, you know, we can do things, we'll find things. It's just going to take a little bit of time. It's it's not going to be cheap as if we're not trying to use you know cheap junk parts, which we won't do. And you know that's the deal. Explained everything to him. Okay, yes, I understand. That's good. Go ahead. I look at the car. The left rear brake is metal on metal. The caliper's frozen. The right rear is not as close, but close enough. It needs rear brakes. At first, I'm thinking maybe it doesn't need calipers. Turns out it does. And now I've got myself into, I've got to find a rear brake overhaul for a 25-year-old vehicle. A lot of effort. A lot of work. A lot of more than just, yeah, I'm here to you know do this car uh, it's it's yeah there's a little bit of talent involved there finding the right lettuce and tomatoes to make the salad so that the salad doesn't spoil and go bad in a short period of time and we found them and you know walked them right through the process told them exactly how much it's going to be and i could hear the hesitation in his voice start to wind up you can you know it was like that awkward moment in the bank lobby you just knew that that comfort level was gone why? I'm asking myself. I'm asking you. Why? What, what is it? Is there something, and if you do this with your mechanic, is there something 
that you don't recognize or choose to recognize? What is it that the mechanic is doing wrong? Look, if he brings in the car, if he tells you it's going to be X and it turns out to be X, which is that's what happened in this case. Why then when I was done and I called him, your car is done, come pick it up, not a problem, we're ready to go. And we kept it inside overnight because the convertible top didn't go up on the Miata and it looked like rain, so we, we gave him the, the, the courtesy of indoor storage for a night. And he showed up the next day, and as he walked in, I said, good morning, Dick, how are you? And he says, well, I'm about to be a lot poorer in the next five minutes. What has that got to do with the price of tea in China? All right? Why are we moaning and groaning? Where's the... Gee, thanks. I'm glad you found the parts for my 25-year-old car. Yeah, I get it. I got paid to fix it, but I'm not being paid to be abused. And to me, that's abuse. Moaning and groaning is abusive. It's a pain in the neck. It's down. It's downheartening. You know what? Everybody wants to work at a job that it's it's nice when you get respected. Give that respect back to your mechanic. And that's, you know, it happens a lot. And that's why I wonder, do you realize you do it? I think to some of you, it's your nature. Some of you think it's cute. I don't. I don't like it when somebody starts complaining about price after they've agreed to it. You know, business is business. Let's conduct it on a, a professional level. Let's sit there. You know, it's going to be X number of dollars. It's X number of dollars. Move on. Part of the reason, and here's why I think this is so important, part of the reason I think we do that is not just to to try and get it cheaper, although I don't understand why we do that, because we've agreed to the price, but because that's human nature, I think. I think some of us are just used to complaining. Some of us are used to going against the rules, and we just think we can get away with it. I was at a traffic light this morning, and sitting at the traffic light, getting waiting to make the right, and an Audi pulled up behind me. And this woman was decked out to beat the band. I mean, if, if that was a $100 pair of sunglasses, it was a $150 pair of sunglasses. If the rings on her finger, you know, I mean, she was just bedazzled. All right. Bedazzling, bedazzled, whatever. She was you. you she wanted attention. And at the traffic light, looking in the rearview mirror of the truck, I noticed not only is she all dolled up, but she's talking on her cell phone holding it one hand, okay, and the other hand she's got a cup of coffee. I'm trying to figure out how she's what she's got holding the wheel. I still don't know how she did that. And I said to myself, why are the rules different for her? How does she get away with it? And where's that sense of entitlement that you think that it's okay? You know, part of the problem with fixing cars every day, well, it's more than just part of the problem, but one of the problems with fixing cars every day is – it is a very physically and mentally demanding job. And you know what? Sit in the batter's box at a, at a, for a Major League Baseball team, become the starting quarterback for an NFL team, go sit in the middle of a stadium with, with 70,000 fans screaming at you, and look at how people react. That's human nature. Now you're one-on-one -on -one with a mechanic. And that moaning and groaning really takes that mechanic down a level and really drags them down sometimes to the point of, why am I doing this? It's not cute. It's not attractive. You know what? It's not even business-like. Stop it. So if you're looking for a good mechanic, you got to learn to be a good customer. It's really important. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Don't go away. 
Ronnie the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's do a really in-depth email. I want to get to this before we run out of time today. This one is for Michael down uh, down um, Texas way, uh, Houston, Texas. So uh, we want to help our brothers in Texas and see what we can do for them. Ron, car question, 2001 Ford Expedition. Bought it 172,000 miles. I knew the owner, no accidents, good maintenance. Now 200,000 miles. An Expedition, that's sort of like a cowboy Cadillac, isn't it? That's, um, you know, that, that's what they were down there. Just rebuilt the entire air conditioning system. Why would you need to do that in Houston? I can't understand that. Heater core, blend doors, switches, filters, etc. I love the way they do things in Texas, right? We don't just replace the compressor. Let's just change everything because they know it's all 16, 17 years old. It's got 100, it's got 200,000 miles on it, right? Instead of jerking around and doing this halfway, let's just do the whole thing. Boy, I'll tell you what, give him credit. Previously, listen to what else he's replaced here on this. You know, for everybody up here, now, this is New Jersey, all right? In New Jersey, if the gas tank is empty and the ashtray is full, it's time to get rid of the car. So look at the difference in, you know, kind of makes you wonder if a hurricane ever hits New Jersey. We'll get washed away to see. Nobody will know what to do. Down in Texas, at least they know how to fix things. Um, Previously did the engine manifold, cooling system, all the rubber, all the belts, alternator, all the fluids, the entire brake system, calipers, rotors, lines flush, new master and power unit, Original power steering rack and pinion, but no damage observed. Fluids replaced and performed without perfor- oh, performance without whining or other issues. Aggressively keep the fluids fresh. Alternator replaced with OEM part 18 months ago. Assume belts are good, no sounds. That's the first paragraph of this email, and you gotta you gotta dig that. That's like you know yeah. Here's somebody who gets it. Let's just fix the car. Battery was replaced 45 days ago with Sears Die Hard. Uh-oh. I wanted a platinum or a gel, but that's all the Sears repair shop, which was closed two days later, by the way, had in stock. Hmm. Yeah, Sears is getting out of the repair business, from what I understand. Um, Sears is kind of getting out of business, period, from what I understand, which is the other, you know. So everybody, yay, die hard. Yeah, that worked good. I wonder if they'll die hard. One thing about the new battery 45 days ago, it took 700 miles to get the cat to read so I could pass my EPA test. Yeah, that's... Now, he, and he says, I'm wondering if there's something wrong with the battery. No, Michael, that's probably, it's either your driving style, although I guess in Texas, everything is, you know, get out on the road and run it at 50, 55 miles an hour. But there is a certain specific in order to get monitors to run, and you got to make sure you're matching the drive cycle. But more importantly, at 200,000 miles, maybe the cats are getting a little tired, and maybe there's some marginality there among sensors, um, things to be aware of. Tuesday morning, I heard the engine drag on startup, but it did start. Tuesday night, I turned the key. The starter engaged for a split second, and the electrical system turned on for an instant. Then, without the engine turning over, all electronics go dead. Might as well be a brick. Nothing, nada. I attached cables. And, you know, he actually put that in the email, too. Nothing, nada. You know, that's just the way they talk, y'all. I attached cables to my car from a Jeep. With a gel battery, and it started on the first turn after charging 9 to 10 minutes. By the way, apparently the BCM, ECM, and radio all retain their memories. No data lost, as I could tell. So I drove home three miles, parked, attached a tickler, and analyzed the battery, said 95% full, and charged until full. Started the next day a couple of times and drove it about 10 miles. At all times when driving, the alternator seems to indicate some charging is underway, but it never goes down. I'll attach the tickler again tonight to further sort it out. The Jeep is standing by. 
Oh, he has a Jeep. That's right. I know what this is now. Uh, to charge it or serve as a driven vehicle, what can it be? And here's his, here's his diagnosis. Could it be new? Never, ever worked. Battery has a bad cell. So he's a regular listener. Alternator is weakening. Replaced 18 months ago. A loss or bad belt. No squeaking. Bad voltage regulator. Unlikely part of the battery. Bad ignition switch. Is this a possibility in a 20-year-old expedition? What am I missing? I don't think you're missing anything, Michael. I think you're thinking about it correctly. However, um, I wouldn't trust a tickler a battery charger. Um, I would prefer to see some sort of a load test. The one thing I don't like about these tickler chargers and these these handheld charger and battery tester tools that do it with the mathematical algorithm, not a fan of those. All right? Um, they work. They're good for maintenance. Yeah, and, you know, I think 90 95% of the time they're spot on the money. When I've got a problem vehicle, I wheel out you know, old faithful. I wheel out the the carbon pile load battery load tester that's over in the corner that has a cover on it that I use, you know, sparingly, uh, just because the other ones do fill the need for what they are. But in a case like this, I'd want to see that battery pass a full fledged, no holds barred carbon pile load test. Let's try to kill the thing. Let's put some heat into it. All right. I don't think it's the battery. I think what you're describing to me, the fact that the electronics went dead, the car died. Uh, what did it say here? It said, I turned the key, the engine started engaging with the engine. All electronics go dead um, without the engine turning over. So I'm assuming you're saying the dashboard dies, the car dies, that's it, it's, it's a dead brick. For that to happen and then bounce back, okay, charging it with the jumper cables, unless you've got a shorted cell in the battery, and that's always possible, and that's why I want to do a carbon pile load test, because that will turn it up. You know, a carbon pile test with a battery tester will replicate or duplicate just what that battery does when it, you know, or what the starter does when it applies load to the battery. So that's why I want to do that. But, you know, beyond that, I want to talk a little bit about wiring diagrams and starting to look at two in particular... And I'll do that when I return, okay, for everyone's benefit. This is a two-part email. It's a long email. Um, So let's do that. Let's pull over, take the pause. When we return, I'll pick up the email with Michael from Houston, Texas, and finish the conversation about his 2001 expedition and dying out on the road. I'm Ron Anany and The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this, 855-560-9900. Don't go away. Needing the car doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900. We're here to take your calls. 24-7 phone number. Give us a call. You get to talk to Tom Ray today or leave a message during the course of the week. And Motorhead Matt will call you back. And uh, we'll go from there. Going from there, let's go back to my email. I was talking about Michael from uh, Houston, Texas, with his 2001 Ford Expedition. And when we pulled away for the pause, the conversation was all about could it be the battery or could it not? Here's the deal. 
All right. Uh, so far, Michael, and for everyone else out there, he's testing it, and you're testing it using a tickler, which is a battery analyzer. It's it's doing a mathematical calculation. There's an algorithm in there, um, which basically is looking at, it applies a very small load, and then it extrapolates it out and says, well, if it drops this much voltage at this current load, it will drop this much voltage at X current load. It, it, it's uh, calculating and putting its own value in there. It works great on paper. If it wasn't a, if it's if it's a, a maintenance battery check, as I call it, if you're doing it, you know, during the course of a seasonal checklist or a quick oil change, and somebody says, "Hey, just test the battery; it's three years old." Yeah, I can see it. Every once in a while, you need to put some load on it. You know, uh, two weeks ago was it? Two weeks ago, the show I talked about testing the power window switch on the Toyota, and I was talking about testing the load on the circuit. And in order to replicate the amount of load being applied, I got out my old 6014 headlight bulb. Remember the big square rectangular headlamp bulbs that cars used to have? Well, I have one in the shop, and I've got two leads soldered to it, and that's my that's my load. That's, that's roughly a 6.5, 7 amp load. And I know what the load is. I know what it's supposed to be. And I actually have other bulbs I can wire in. And, and, and doing it that way tells me that, yeah, that circuit can sustain the load. It's it's beyond doing a continuity test, so to speak. And that's really what you need to do here, Michael. You need to load test the battery. Once we get through that, yeah, there are some critical components you need to go through. All right. And again, using a tickler or just looking at the tickler voltage while the vehicle's running, if that's what it does, and it tells you charging rate, that's not good enough. You need to put that you need to put that alternator under load. So if you have the ability, here's where again, if you've got a carbon pile tester hooked up to the battery vehicle running, now you can apply a little bit of a carbon load to it. You know, not a lot, just kick it up a little bit, or you can turn on all the electrical items in the vehicle. All right. Headlights, high beam, high-speed blower, turn on that brand-new air conditioner, let it run, rear defroster. Let's try and get some current flowing because it's not just the measurement of voltage, but we also want to know, can the system sustain current? And that's what's so gosh darn important in an electrical output problem like this. Okay, You've got to go through the components and beat them up as best you can electrically. And you may need some outside help in the way of you know a carbon pile tester and some of the tooling in order to do it. That's number one. You bring up a good point about the ignition switch. An automobile ignition switch is just like, look at your wall. Look at the wall switch that runs the lights to the, to the room. You've got a hot coming in. You've got a feed going out to the load. You've got a feed going out to the bulb, right? So your ignition switch really does the same thing. Coming off power distribution, there's probably a fusible Lincoln line for this vehicle that feeds the rest of the vehicle. So it'll be, if I'm not mistaken, there's actually two fusible links. I would take a look at both of them because fusible links have been known to fail or corrode internally, especially on an older vehicle. And it wouldn't hurt while the vehicle's running to go over and start maybe gently and put a load on the vehicle. Again, headlights on, high beam, defroster. Let's let's get some heat flowing. Let's get some current flowing. And maybe gently you know, give a little bit of a twist to the wiring harness, especially around the fusible links. Can they take the abuse? Can they take the heat? Can they take the twisted and turning? And see how does the vehicle react? Does it react normally? Now, you're going to have to get under the dashboard and find the junction box where it feeds into the ignition switch and put a voltmeter on it or a bulb 
voltmeter would be nicer. It would at least give you a spec. Bulb would be okay, too, because you know it'll be an applied load. And here's a case where, even though it may not necessarily be applied load, but the best of both worlds, I would use my 194 side marker bulb trick. And, you know, as a matter of fact, years ago, this was the classic example of the case where I learned to use a 194, and I put a clear bulb on the input side of the ignition switch and an orange side marker bulb on the output. And the car had the same problem. It was a Chevy, I'm going to say it was a Chevy Venture a million years ago, all right? And when the car died, I asked the customer, when it wouldn't start, which bulb was lit? And he said, the white one. And I said, okay, so then I know I've got power into the ignition switch. The orange bulb didn't light. I know I've got a bad ignition switch. It didn't make the contact jump across. So you've basically got to do the same thing here. You've got to see a bulb lit on both sides of the switch, and that's a great way to test it. Last, all we've done is talk about hot, right? We've talked about power. Do you have voltage? We haven't really talked about ground. And a lot of times ground can cause just the problem you're discussing. Listen, the highest the, the, the highest point of resistance in the circuit is what is going to cause that electrical or electric electronic component to fail and not operate properly. Clean all the chassis grounds. Or at the best, load the grounds. It wouldn't be the worst idea to take something like a headlight bulb. A headlight bulb is great, depending upon the year, make, model card came from, the bulb itself, the complete housing, anywhere from 7 to 10 amps, you know, if it's a high beam and so on. And one, one leg, run it right to a hot, take the other leg, run it to the grounds. Can you apply it to the ground? Does the light light up? Does it have good current flow? And start load testing the grounds that way. And that's a cheap, inexpensive tool you can make yourself get down to your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Tell them you want an old school 6014 headlight bulb. They'll have the socket. They'll have the connector. All right. O'Reilly Auto Parts has all that stuff. And you can then go ahead and start to load test the circuit and verify how good or bad are the grounds. On something of this age, you're probably going to want to, and I know you're at the, at the point where you've rebuilt the entire air conditioning system, um, not necessarily on a whim, but you did, you're going to want to go through, take apart all the grounds, clean them, and put them back together. This is a step-by-step process. This is not something easy to fix, especially if it's intermittent. You're right in thinking new means never, ever worked, and new means you've got to take a real hard, careful look at it. But by the same token, you've also got to think beyond that. Once you test all these things properly, as best you can, you're going to have to think outside the box and say, hey, how do I, how do I test it? Or how do I set myself up to test it for when I'm 10 miles from the house or my garage and I can't, you know, that's where the side marker bulbs come in. That's the purpose of that. And then at that point, it comes down to, is it wiring harness? Last thought. More than a few times, I've had cases where fuse boxes cause these type of particular problems. And what you'll need to do, and this is a gutsy move, but, you know, when you get down to it, one by one, you can go through a wiring diagram and look, is it fuse 2, fuse 3, 6, 11? Look at the power distribution fuses that are involved. You need to look at a power distribution wiring harness and pull those fuses out and look at them. You know, fuses do funny things on older vehicles. I've fixed more than a few cars in my career where you'll, where you'll find a black burnt spot on the fuse. 
The current flow has been going on for a long time. Here's a 20-year-old vehicle. Is the or is or are the fuses burnt on the contact point? And obviously take them out one at a time, look at them, put it back in. I'll never forget the one time here on radio, it was many, many years ago, I made the fatal error of telling somebody we're checking for a draw, and they pulled every fuse out of the car, and then they called me up the next week and said, now what do I do? How do I know where they go? No, no, one at a time. I still think about that. I still think about that poor person sitting there with a pile of fuses on the front seat of the car. And my conversation, that's where I learned the phrase, put down the pliers and step away from the vehicle because it's, it's time to get it into a mechanic. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. Michael, that should be more than enough for you to go on. Um, I realize it's hard for you to get to the phone right now down there Houston Way. Uh, we hope you guys are all dry and okay. God bless, and uh, you guys take good care, and uh, we wish Texas the best. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. in the car doctor. Rolling along here at 855-560-9900. Podcasting and more information at cardoctorshow.com. Let's do an email from Thomas. Ron, I've been a regular listener of your show forever. Let me first state that the, in the late 70s, I have been a fan, or since the first. First, let me state that the... It doesn't make sense. Let me first state that the late 70s. I think he's trying to say since the late 70s. Okay. Thomas, I think you were excited and nervous writing this email. I've been a fan of buying extended warranties, whether I buy a used car or a new car. The reason I do that is if you can get the price of the car down 1500 to $2,000, then there is no better investment than the car itself. Well, that's absolutely right. And, you know, to a degree... Maybe I wouldn't have done it in the 70s as much. I think the case is different now because of the electronics in the car. And while the extended warranties are still $1,500 as they were so many years ago, you can spend $1,500 on half a component now. It's just amazing how fast uh, dollars add up on electric automobiles. On cars that I bought this way, five of seven needed repairs that were as much as or more than the cost of the warranty. And second, as an accountant, I don't like the idea of making double monthly payments, a $400 car payment and a $500 repair for an AC unit. Also, I feel that leasing a vehicle is only a good idea if you can write a major part of the monthly lease payments, like if you're a salesman and more than 75% of your driving is in business, off. One exception, in 1997, I leased a new Saturn just to see if I liked it. I did so. I negotiated a great buyout with the warranty. Of course, you are what you say, priceless. Tom, your thoughts are appreciated. Tom, you make all valid points. And I think, yeah, yeah, to a degree, Automobiles are about the numbers. It's it's they've got to be. It's a numbers decision. It can't be emotional, or it shouldn't be emotional. Unfortunately, you know that shiny red car gets our attention and it gets us all wound up. And gee whiz, what's wrong with baby? And you know, but those days are. It's it's hard for those days to exist now. Um, it's costly for those days to exist. And I think people like in general, people in general like to live a little bit beyond their means, probably quite a bit beyond their means. You know, I, I, I keep thinking about that woman I saw in the rearview mirror driving the Audi this morning, all dressed up Saturday morning, getting ready to go out. Or, and she's out, and she's on the cell phone, and she's got more jewelry than Zsa Zsa, and her, her sunglasses were $100, $150, and, you know. Are we living beyond our means? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what do we need all that for? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you need a pair of pants, a shirt, and uh, you need to have a little fun during the course of the day, a good meal, and go to bed, get up the next day, start all over again. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, we got to go out and have our fun, but we don't need to go crazy. 
and too many people do that. And I, I think automobiles become a part of that. I still agree, and I agree with you, Tom. I think extended warranties are critical towards certain situations in automobiles. Um, at the very least, and this is something I've never really touched on, it only occurred to me recently. If you do get an extended warranty on a vehicle and the car breaks and you have to take it into a repair shop, wait for it. You ready? This is my stellar idea or thought for the day. You actually get to try out a repair shop on somebody else's dime. You're not paying for it. And you get to see how well do they handle above and beyond. Because I've got to tell you, extended warranties are a pain in the butt. As the shop owner to deal with, it, it'll it'll take us anywhere from an hour to an hour and 15 minutes to process paperwork on an extended warranty. You have to call up. You have to get authorization. You have to list out all the part numbers. You have to list out exactly what the complaint was. You have to list out exactly what. You have to basically recite everything you recited to the customer, but to the warranty company in far greater detail. And it becomes a giant waste of time to a degree or a big chunk of the day. So um, a shop that can handle an extended warranty and repair the car properly, you know what? You're finding out on somebody else's nickel just how good or bad that repair shop is. Appreciate the thoughts, Tom. And, um, you know, I, I, I love getting letters like this. Send me one of yours. Send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I'll be sure to read it up here on air if uh, I think it's timely and interesting for everyone else's concern. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We're now at that portion in the program, folks, where, well, it's that time again. Um, you know, this is the beginning of the NFL season, and we know tomorrow the Giants play. The Jets are going to show up, but the Giants are definitely going to play. And I just want to take the two most faithful Giants fans in the universe and explain to them what's going to happen tomorrow night. Are you guys ready? Yes, we know it's going to be a win, but knowing you, you're going to go against the green and say we're going to lose. Well, yeah, gonna, exactly, because you know we always win against Dallas. It, it, it's it's going to be a win, but I got to tell you, what the what the the great Oz has seen in his meditations of the upper stratosphere is the Giants will lose twenty four to twenty three. That's the prediction. One point. It's going to be a heartbreaker. It's going to be that close. So that's I'm just letting you guys know. So next week you don't come in here dragging your tails and all upset. And you know I'm a New York fan, but I just want to let you know that I've already seen the fix. I've I've used my car doctor powers and and resourcefulness for the other side, and I'm able to see that yeah it's going to be that tight of a game down to one point. It's going to be a late game too. Yes, you know Sunday night game. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yes, um, and it should be good, and we uh, will be celebrating Monday morning. Um, why you guys are going to switch over to Dallas? No, no, uh, no. And you, son, you're an idiot. Uh, well, I could be. Uh, now, be nice. I'm just letting you know what could happen. Um, we do this every year for those of you that are new listeners, you know. And I've got to tell you, by going against the Giants, they usually do win. So that's the that's the deal as we uh, as we try to help the that's Giants true. become. That's true. And uh, we threaten Ron every time he uh, says, "Gee, they're going to win tomorrow," because we know what's going to happen. Right. Exactly. It's it's. There's a lot of things I can do when it comes to fixing cars. Sports, 
Yeah, not so much. So a man has to know his limitations, as I like to say. It's like people say to me, why don't you mow the lawn? Because I'd probably fall off the tractor and hurt myself. Uh, you know, it's uh, frankly, I don't have the time, but that's a horse of another color. That's a different story altogether. So, well, a great hour. Always good to uh, sit here and talk automobiles and uh, expunge to you what's going on. I appreciated the emails. Uh, if you've got an email question, you want to get it right up here on air, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Until the next time, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.